this is for professional and institutional clients only. Particularly in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of turmoil in the ESG world, a lot of soul searching, a lot of backlash, frankly, and criticism of some ESG approaches, kind of an existential crisis. Welcome to the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast, Keeping It Real Assets. In this series, you will hear from the Igneo investment team in conversation with the leaders of our global infrastructure businesses. We will shine a light on how they operate and their approach to the challenges of an ever-changing world. We hope that you enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to this latest episode of Keeping It Real Assets, the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast series. My name is Stephen O'Shea and I'm the European Head of Investor Relations and Consultant Engagement at Igneo. We're changing format slightly over the next few weeks, and this is the first of seven special episodes that we will be releasing on a weekly basis, and which will examine some of the various topics dealt with in our 2022 ESG report. Today, I'm joined by my colleague Sophie Durham, who is a Managing Director and the Head of ESG at Igneo, and who will be talking to us about the compilation and the publication of the 2022 report. To set the scene, and for those who may have never heard or seen of our ESG report before, could you please tell us what it is exactly and why we do it? Our global ESG report is our annual update to investors on our ESG approach and also our performance in five key areas of focus. Those are health and safety, environmental performance, diversity, good governance and employee engagement. In terms of why we do it, I think three key reasons. The first is ESG issues can present material risks and opportunities to our portfolio companies. So we need to show investors how we are handling those material issues. It's all about transparency and accountability to our investors on issues that are important to the portfolio. Secondly, our investors are interested in this topic. We get a lot of questions from them on ESG. And then thirdly, it's also true that this is increasingly a regulatory requirement. So particularly in Europe, we're seeing a lot of new regulation coming out requiring reporting on ESG issues. So, for example, for the European funds this year, we have also published our first detailed SFDR disclosures. What else is new in this report this year and what isn't? In terms of what's new, over the last couple of years, our ESG report has got much stronger on data and the reports have taken a more technical turn over the last couple of years. So we've really strengthened our collection and reporting of quantitative data. I think that's increasingly expected and also the data we're providing is increasingly aligned with the regulation. Secondly, in terms of what's new this year, we have some really fantastic case studies in the report. So as well as providing a lot of global level data, We also provide qualitative case studies that show how our portfolio companies are going way above and beyond our minimum standards on ESG and really demonstrating leading practice. So whether that's Nordia launching really exciting initiatives around hydrogen in the Baltic Sea, for example, or Infinium that's building up STEM skills in the UK through a really exciting new apprenticeship program. So data and case studies. But the reports also provide an update on some key initiatives that were launched across the portfolio, whether that's in terms of cybersecurity, 
human rights risks, particularly in the supply chain or climate change and emissions reduction. So that's what's new. Um, in terms of what's not new, our overall approach to ESG has remained really consistent for several years, and that's reflected in the report. Particularly in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of turmoil in the ESG world, a lot of soul searching, a lot of backlash, frankly, and criticism of some ESG approaches, kind of an existential crisis. And, you know, everyone's, what is ESG? Is it impact funds only? Greenwashing? Does it lead to our performance or not? And through all of that turmoil, our approach has really remained consistent, focused on our five minimum standards focused on driving actions and improvements on the ground in the companies and focused on using ESG to generate value. And that's what we've always done and that's what we plan to continue to do. With all that evolution in relation to the data and reporting, what was the process like this year? How are we doing and how are we evolving and how are portfolio companies doing with respect to that kind of monitoring, the recording of data and the reporting of it? There was just so much material and actually narrowing it down to keep the report from being far too long was one of the biggest challenges. Definitely the portfolio companies and we are getting better, particularly on the data side. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. We've now had consistent data requests for the portfolio companies for the last three years. So we've been requesting the same metrics for three years and the companies are getting better and better at providing what we need. So, for example, before SFDR kicked in, we proactively requested the principal adverse impact indicators, for example, that SFDR requires from the portfolio companies so that we could have two years of a dry run testing out how the quality of data that we could get before we actually had to report it under the regulation. So if I take scope three emissions, for example, we started collecting that two years ago. And that year we got data from seven companies out of 28 portfolio companies. It wasn't great. And then we spent a year providing training and providing resources and support to the portfolio companies to improve their scope three reporting. And this year, 20 out of our 25 portfolio companies in the report provided scope three data. So seven to 20 companies was really great improvement. What were your key highlights or the standouts from this year's report? So I'll mention a couple of things. On health and safety, we've been tracking the accident frequency rate of the portfolio for many years. And one of the difficulties with that, we've seen improvement over time, but one of the challenges is that in any given year, we might acquire two or three new portfolio companies that may have a relatively high accident frequency rate. So one thing we looked at for the first time this year is we analyzed how has AFR accident frequency rate improved on average within one, two, and three years of IGNEO ownership. And the results were really amazing. On average, across the whole global portfolio, the accident frequency rate improved 73% within wow. three years of Igneo's ownership. So that was just a really interesting data point for us to see, and it just shows we're really driving improvements. Secondly, on climate change, a highlight for me in the report is the increase in the number of our portfolio companies that have now set emissions reduction targets. So we have a target for net zero by 2050 in our portfolio emissions. And to date, 19 of our 25 companies have set targets and new targets came last year, for example, from Patriot Rail, our US rail business that set targets that have been validated by the Science-Based Targets Initiative to reduce their emissions by 42% by 2030. And then finally, a highlight for me in the diversity chapter is we've got two fantastic case studies from our New Zealand businesses around diversity and inclusion initiatives that they've launched which go beyond gender towards racial and ethnic diversity and just including all employees with different aspects of diversity. So there's a great case studies too. 
What are your ambitions and your concerns for the year ahead? Three things there. When it comes to climate change, we have a few companies, six out of 25 in the portfolio that have not yet set emissions targets and our aim is to get all companies to do so by the end of 2023. There's some really interesting companies in the mix there. One of my key jobs this year is to get those remaining companies to set realistic targets and make more progress towards our net zero goal. Secondly, we've got some new acquisitions in the portfolio. For example, WestConnect, our fiber business in Germany. We're just in the process now of bringing them into the fold, updating them on our expectations and our minimum standards. And that's a brand new company, essentially. So we're setting up all these governance frameworks and ESG policies. So I think that will be really exciting over the next few years to bring the new companies in. And then finally, there's more regulation coming. There's going to be further updates to SFDR. We need to expand our reporting on the EU taxonomy. The year after next, our portfolio companies will have to meet the corporate sustainability reporting directive in the EU. So we need to stay on top of all of that regulation and make sure we and the portfolio companies are ready for it. And relating to the evolving information requirements, do you find new management, new portfolio companies are taken by surprise by the level of data that's required? Or is this something that portfolio companies or operators in various infrastructure sectors are already aware of? I'd say it really varies. And it depends on how long the company's been established or who their previous owners were. So in the case of WestConnect, that's a partnership with Eon, which already has really strong ESG reporting practices in place. And actually the management team is just galvanized and excited about working with us on these topics. Some companies, this stuff is newer to them and it is harder and it takes more time and more work to get them up to speed on what we need. Thank you, Sophie. And very well done to you and the team for raising the bar once again with another brilliant report this year. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to speaking to you again on Keeping It Real Assets. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real Assets, the Ignea Infrastructure Partners podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by following Igneo Infrastructure Partners on your favourite podcast platform. If you'd like to find out more about Igneo Infrastructure Partners, you can visit our website at igneoip.com. This podcast series was produced by Mark Gardner at OX4 Sound Studio. This podcast is not a financial promotion and has been prepared for general information purposes only. It is not intended to be investment or financial advice and does not take into account the specific investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. References to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell such securities. Investment vehicles managed by Igneo Infrastructure Partners are only available to institutional investors professional investors, qualified investors, and wholesale clients. They are not available to retail clients, the general public, private customers, or any persons in any jurisdiction in which their distribution is not authorised. Igneo Infrastructure Partners is an unlisted infrastructure asset management business and is part of the First Sentier Investors Group. We communicate and conduct business through different legal entities in different locations. 
please refer to the notes section of the podcast platform you use for more information on Igneo infrastructure partners in your region. For Singapore only, the podcast should be used in accordance with the applicable laws in Singapore. In Singapore, the podcast is issued by First Sentier Investors Singapore, whose company registration number is 19690420D. This advertisement or material has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. First Sentier Investors registration number 53236800B and Igneo Infrastructure Partners, registration number 53447928J, are business divisions of First Sentier Investors Singapore.